cold open question, Brendan Clean. So Caitlin Clark, Iowa superstar, has a cereal with Hy-Vee. It's a retail grocery chain that she has an ideal with. There's a Caitlin Clark cereal out on the market. Obviously, lots of basketball personalities, athletes of all kinds have cereals, have have chips. Darius Garland, for instance, here in Cleveland had a, a, a potato chip with his face on it. You know, all that stuff. But who is a basketball person, men's or women's player, coach, executive, who could debut their own something and you could you would just be like i think i i think i gotta buy that i i think there's there's a very i have an answer for this i know you do too what's your answer yeah i'm pulling from recent history and it's a, a little bit of a flex but i probably would have purchased the, the product anyway but i last year or maybe 2022 i don't remember now the ruffles line with various basketball players was released i believe jason tatum lebron james and Charles Barkley were all involved in the ad campaign, but I got to interview Asia Wilson for the release of her chip as part of this line. And it was like these, almost like a fusilli pasta, this very like spinny mm -hmm, twists. Yeah, that's what they're called. And hers were like barbecue something. And she really sold me on them when I interviewed her about it. And they were very different than actual barbecue chips which she admitted on the call that i don't know if ruffles would have loved her to admit that she's actually not that huge of a barbecue chip person all the time so she wanted a little zest a little uh, tartness to hers and it lived up to uh the the pitch she made and so that's my answer asia wilson ruffle twists i, I thought much bigger for this okay uh i want i want pat riley's line of suits I want Pat Riley and his mm. tailor to just like let me like get the Pat Riley vibe. I'm not saying I can pull off because I can't very many of everything Pat Riley could wear, but give me some like mm. Pat Riley aesthetic in in my menswear. He mm. is a classic dresser when you see him pulling off fits. He like his you see him in suits from the 80s and you're just like that guy has it down to a T, just looking great. Just give it's, me like it's, a pat. It feels like it's black with white underneath. That it's just very traditional. Like, yeah, but it all looks really good. It's tailored well. I just want like a, I would buy like a Pat Riley book of like how you can like Pat Riley doesn't seem like the one to do this. But if I could get a book on Audible or something right now that's like Pat Riley's like Ten Rules for Life, I would be like, take my money, let's go. I want I want the Pat Riley rub, and if it's if, if I get it from clothes, that just also feels like the thing Pat Riley would most likely to do. I can't see Pat Riley being like, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna be the new sponsor for for a new energy drink." Like Ric Flair's out here, like selling his woo, and you know what I mean. Like we're that's we're I not. Mean, the reality that is, Riley, is good with with him that uh, as much as there's a, a coolness, a suave to him, kind of feels like the only things he would be qualified to be giving advice about are clothing and basketball because and to like, be life, as consumed I, I would, life yeah you think he you think he has it all figured out what, what tell me no. more about your belief that pat riley is like the best possible human being that 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 there could be i'm not like saying there's all I'm, I'm not saying that all the lessons are good but there's got to be some mm -hmm. life lessons about productivity and accomplishing things that come from pat riley whose wife uh if i believe this is correct is a is a therapist 
Yeah, I guess I lumped that in with basketball. He's productive and okay. effective specifically in his field. But yeah, yeah. maybe there's some like, things tucked like some, in there yeah. about, you know, yeah. working hard and all that. But suits for sure. You know, yeah. uh, maybe the right type of dry cleaner to use, maybe the right shade of black, gray, blue to go with. I like it. Yeah, I think that's the answer. Uh, also, however, LeBron just gets his hair back every so often, whatever that product is, just slap your name on it. I'd, I'd probably buy that even if it's snake oil. All right, coming up on today's show, we've got some Warriors trade slop. We've got a new segment, a new thing we're going to do ahead of this deadline, teams that should embrace selling. We're going to run through all the teams that should just embrace being sellers at this deadline. Let's dive into today's episode of the Just Basketball Show. Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for Monday, January 15th. I'm Chris Manning. That man over there is Brendan Clean. If you have not already, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars only. Hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel as well. Got to tell you, too, about our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less on your favorite players across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. Sign up today with code JUSTBASKETBALL and Thrive will match your first deposit up to $250. That is a great first deposit match up to $250 code JUSTBASKETBALL Thrive Fantasy. And if you want some insight on what props to look at, all that and more, over on our TikTok page at JustBballFans. Myself, our guy Colby Olson, five days a week during the week, props, two to three a night on what you can look for in that slate of games. So check us out over there and tap into Thrive Fantasy. Brandon, let's get to Slop of the Week first. Mm-hmm. According to Tim Kawakami at The Athletic, it seems like the Warriors are going to trade Andrew Wiggins. Give us the, the lowdown on, on what's going on here. Yeah, very wide-ranging piece I think people should uh, check out if you want. This is exactly the type of thing, honestly, that feels rude to call slop, Chris, because this is actual reporting about the the state of a team heading into a very tenuous inflection point for that franchise. Like, I think, honestly, we maybe should make a rule that we call this something different. I think the king... Uh, Jake Fisher over at Yahoo does a great job, and he has evolved past slop. I think Brian Windhorst tends to do a good job of this, so maybe maybe there's a little bit of shade cast upon this news to call it slop. But yeah, I mean, it is really beat by beat of, of some of the things that he is sensing within the, the Warriors, one of which being Andrew Wiggins is available, one of which being that the Warriors are comfortable with the idea of beginning or launching into what Tim referred to as a mini rebuild and that as a result of that they want to try to keep as many of Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Brandon Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis as they possibly can despite uh, you know the public feuding with Steve Kerr that one to four of those guys at any given point in time this season have been having and then he, he went in and kind of threw the Siakam even as a rental idea 
out there as something that he believes the Warriors would explore, but, you know, he called it unknowable because obviously if he knew that for sure, the trade would probably be done already. So I think the Wiggins thing is the headline because it was the most concrete thing and is probably the most seismic kind of change that we could see here. As much as he's sensing that, Chris, I just don't know what team would roll the dice with that. The only great winning season we've ever seen from Andrew Wiggins was a contract year where he had a payday in front of him. Besides that, it's been the inconsistency, the the constant wondering of what's up with him personally and mm-hmm. mentally. And I, I don't mean that in psychiatrically. I just mean mentality, focus, execution, commitment, all that stuff. It's been a question since he got drafted. And even probably you would say at Kansas when he was a little up yeah. and down. So who is who is going to take that chance almost a decade into Andrew Wiggins' career? Especially with the money he's making, I mean, I think that even complicates him. Or if he was like a rookie-scale contract guy, you could squint a little bit more and I think talk yourself into it. The only thing that I think... I mean, he's making about that much, really. He's making like a rookie. He got They got him at a pretty good number. But I just think even then, who wants that? It's still just... I think it's it's 24 this year, 26 next year, mm-hmm. 28, and then there's 30, which is a player option. That's still mm-hmm. just a lot of money, I think, in a world where you do have the, the, the tax apron considerations. I think like this is the kind of thing where you kind of got to squint a little bit and, and figure it out. It's not... Mm-hmm. The, it's not like an as easy as it would be if he was making even twenty million dollars. Is just what I would say. I guess just it's, it creates a little less wiggle sure. room. Is my only thought with that. The only the only reason that I do think there is some world where this could work out for him, or, or he could get uh, some team could be talk to them into being excited about it, is that he is at a position that a lot of teams just desperately need this kind of body. The problem is getting him to some of those teams, right? I mean, you could look at, I, like I, a lot of people have, have, have fake done these trades before, just mentioned him, but, and I don't think he was super thrilled with, he's never been super thrilled with them as an organization, so maybe this isn't even a good idea. But like Cleveland is has a glaring Andrew Wiggins size, like, hole on this roster, right? Like, you could you. Does a team like that talking to him? Does Memphis look at this and say, okay, we're going to rehabilitate Wiggins at this big position of need for us. We have some salaries we can cobble together. Enjoy Luke Kennard and, and whatever. Like, I think a team like that could talk themselves into it and say, hey, we saw this guy win a title and just and just try. Like, history suggests that some team will try to talk themselves into Andrew Wiggins. That's just often how this works. But that already happened once for him. Yeah, I don't. The Warriors think did it's a good that, idea. right? Yeah, I don't think this is well, a no, good I, idea. No, I don't think you're saying it's a good idea, but I'm just saying from the standpoint of another executive, I think you're right that he's not going to be out of the league. But if you're talking about a team making an effort and giving valuable stuff up to go out of their way to get him. I'm not sure that that market necessarily exists. When I saw this, to me, I think that it is just a a 
it's an indication that the Warriors would use his contract as the one to get something, maybe even more than Chris Paul. That's all it is to me. I just don't, I don't see at age 28 going on 29 where you saw the rehabilitation already happen and then he fell out of it again. And this is not just this year. It's really dating back to when he went away from the team last year and it sounds like that was a death in the family and that's a totally understandable reason to to make to take a departure. He was back in time for the postseason. Wasn't great in the postseason, but, you know, things happen. Not Not holding that against him. But it is a season and a half, really. And even last year, he wasn't great. His threes went in, which is not happening so far this year. But he wasn't himself defensively or as a rebounder, I think we would all say, when he came back coming off of that finals run the previous summer. So you're talking about like a a second rehabilitation nine years into his career or uh, 10 years into his career. This is year 11, I think. Um, That just feels hard to imagine. But that three-point shooting is the one case I would make maybe to balance myself there. Because what are we saying about Wiggins if he's shooting 39% or even 38% like he has every single season as a Warrior? versus 30%, which is what he's been at this season. If even that changed, you're probably talking about somebody who is a little easier to fit into other teams and everything else. But I just have a hard time. Like the Warriors are the team we say that about for guys who need that. He's already on the Warriors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, go there. You'll figure it out. Well, he did that and now he unfigured it out. So why if I'm like the Pacers, am I like, oh yeah, our great track record of turning guys into stars. It'll be here that he f- refigures it out all over again. I just, I don't know. It's hard to imagine. Two, just two last notes on Wiggins, and I guess I'll, I'll ask you where we get, where you, if there's a team that comes to mind for you kind of specifically about this, but mm-hmm. number one, analytically, the, 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 the nerd numbers, the analytics, if you look at like dunks and threes and EPM, this is oh, his worst season by a country mile. Do they say by a country mile in Arizona, Brendan? I mean, I've heard the phrase, but not not okay. often. Okay, okay. So just wanted to make sure. I Is that getting thrown around a lot in the Midwest? Is that like, yeah, multiple times I, a day I, kind of thing? I don't know about multiple times a day, but like I feel like I've, I've I hear it, you know, once a week, mm. a couple times a week. We measure everything by the size of the Grand Canyon out here, so we say one okay. third of the Grand Canyon. Okay, cool, good to know. This is his worst season. It's yeah. based on just like raw, if you look at the analytics by a wide, wide margin, even worse than when he was 22 years old. Or like you go back further, there's some seasons that are like not great, but they're not negatives. And he's rated out as a negative this year in an insane way. Secondly, he's never fully talked about what was going on last year personally. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that to anyone. The Warriors, the fans, the media doesn't really owe it to anyone, but what he feels comfortable with to be clear about that. Yeah. But you just don't know how that affects someone. You just don't. And if there's something going on there that is still affecting him, like that, maybe that's part of it. He's is a human being after all. And if there's something really severe going on where it has, yeah. And I do him, want to correct that. Uh, nobody passed yeah. away, but there were uh Sham Sharani reported uh, illness last yeah. year, serious illness. Yeah. 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 So something's going on there. You would understand on a human level if he's not there and that has taken a toll on him in a big way for, for whatever reason. 
Is there a team to you that comes to mind as saying, okay, we could give the Warriors enough, and we're a team that could use Andrew Wiggins either in practice or, or in theory? Well, so this comes back to what I was just saying. I don't think that I don't think that it benefits the Warriors to do the first type of trade you're talking about. S- yeah. To to treat Wiggins as somebody that they're dumping. They want to yeah, Yes. Kawakami had the idea of a mini rebuild, but getting rid of a even a bad presently bad negative player, but somebody who you would imagine has a pathway to at least becoming neutral again for picks or something that that's just kind of useless to them. So when you say enough, the trade that might type of trade that might make sense would be to flip him for other rotation players. But what type of team is doing that? So I think it has to be that he is part of a bigger move for them to upgrade, whether that's, you know, Pascal Siakam, who I, you know, mentioned was included in that piece speculatively, or it is Kyle Kuzma, or it is Jeremy Grant, or it is people have been kind of, I think, uh, making fun a little bit, but also not of a Vucevic to the Warriors trade. Maybe he goes to Chicago, uh, but it, it's, it's to me, it has to be that type of a thing where he's just sort of the salary piece at that point more so than anything else. Yeah, you can't re mini you can't mini rebuild with Steph Curry at age thirty five, almost thirty six. Can't you don't think they can? Well, that piece says that they're okay with it. I if mini rebuild means you just like clear the way for young guys and get some veteran reinforcements, I guess I just don't think of that as like a real mini rebuild. I think that that the way that he like, phrased it is a mini rebuild would be potentially accepting a lesser seed or a negative outcome this the rest of this season kind of treating this season as somewhat of a lost cause and having a mini rebuild that pretty much lasts starting at this deadline through the off season to put them in a better position come october to use the next season to the best of its to the maximize that it can be that's what i that's kind of how he worded it not three years and then curry's retiring yeah yeah i that i think it's hard to stomach but it's probably more palatable than the alternate which is you just have to like take the l and there's just a lot of unknowns i think regardless there's a lot of risk i think whatever path is is coming here for golden state i yeah. think that it's kind of the tricky part of it um wouldn't maybe there's like a multi-team complicated thing we're just not seeing on the chessboard yet that kind of and kind of solve this but that feels maybe like the way this gets kind of resolved there's a third team takes on just like random stuff and gets the picks another team gets Wiggins and then the Warriors get the rotation pieces that can be shuffled around for whatever teams the primary thing with Wiggins if you're looking for any team that he would land on even if it's a multi-team thing is every team is going to need him to be the elite defender physical forceful athletic guy and rebounder that he was when the Warriors won the finals in order to maximize his value. That's his destiny on every team he would ever play for for the rest of his life, not just the Warriors. So he's not good enough on offense to do less with that other stuff. And so like, I like the Pacers. I brought them up on purpose. They, need, they would like him because of the potential that he has to help clean up their defense, their physicality, their rebounding, their execution, and all that stuff. The same things the Warriors are asking of him. 
So it's going to require somebody to just kind of be cocky, I think, as an organization and be like, yeah, we're better than, you know, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and Steph and Draymond and all that as far as structure goes. And good luck proving that right. Yeah, it's a huge, 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 I think, risk for, for a team to do this. Maybe the, maybe the, I could see the Kings maybe, but trading in conferences, yeah, there's a lot of, it's going to be fun. We're going to see, if we get some weird injury against trade where he's on the, like, the Detroit Pistons, I'm going to be a little underwhelmed. I want to see him go somewhere, if this is going to happen, where he, there's still some something of a pressure cooker about where he is and at least seeing kind of how he thrives in an environment instead of taking a step back to like the other end of the NBA. Like I don't need to see him on the wizards, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless. All right, next up, we're going to get into teams that should be sellers. There's a list of teams that we have come up with that should be sellers. We're going to rip through them, go through guys on a team. We could like to see them trade, explain why they should be sellers and play some matchmaking. Maybe think of a trade that could result in a good fit for some of these players. Brennan, let's start in Brooklyn. Well, let's be clear here, right? Yeah. We are, yeah. in some cases, I think we can... We have some teams listed here that we could potentially spend less time on or even skip over because we're not going to necessarily need to make the case for the teams that are very clearly going to be sellers. Maybe we can do the matchmaking thing there, but we don't need to be telling the Wizards that they should probably be sellers. I think they have every intention of being sellers, you know? (laughs) So uh, that's sort of the idea here. I I was actually going to tell you, I I think think they they should be buyers. They should be buyers, you know? They, they made one deal with the Pistons. You're just setting up another big move. They're the DeJounte Murray team. That's how you fix it. They got a big two in Poole and Kuzma. They got to get their big three yeah. set yeah, up for get the, the future. Big, yeah. Yeah, but really it's a big four if you consider Denny Avgia, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's teams that I think are maybe in denial, maybe could go either way. And maybe by February, you know, early to mid-February when the deadline actually hits, they'll have convinced themselves to accept their fate here. But we're going to make the case for them early, I think, is is the goal here. And then maybe, you know, help them out a little bit. Tell them, hey, trade this guy here. And, you know, of course they're listening, so they'll probably do it. Let's start with Brooklyn and the Nets. They are currently 16-22. and have lost three, have lost seven out of their last ten. They have lost two in a row, including to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Paris in a game that they showed some fight late, but were down really early against a shorthanded Cavs team at the end of the plan right now, but just ahead of Atlanta and Toronto, and uh, a game and a half behind the ninth place Bulls and widening behind the rest of the jam-packed middle of the Eastern Conference. Which, Brendan, by the way, small note on that. 76ers in the verge of kind of falling back into that a mass of teams in the middle. Something to watch over the next couple of weeks is is Philly perhaps slipping a little further back than comp- record wise, at least from competing. I will, you know, it's not necessarily like cute behavior to always do, but in this case, I have to. I mean, I picked them first in our one move away teams, and you know, you and some commenters on TikTok thought I was maybe overreacting to the Knicks game saying that they needed some more offensive help. Here we are. 
they're falling falling to the middle of the pack without Embiid in there and even with Embiid in a couple games offense needs some help just saying but yes uh Brooklyn's a perfect place to start yeah Brooklyn is exactly the type of team that we're talking about here Brooklyn could convince uh, let me just say if they can add Donovan Mitchell or a really franchise changing offensive engine now how many of those even are there of course but if that opportunity was available to them i would hear an argument to buy but absent that which i probably is just mitchell who does not seem to be available right now mm-hmm. they should sell there's no need to get a little better at the guard spot and you know tinker around with things you also have the looming expiring contract of ben simmons so the Mm -hmm. the clock is kind of on for if you ever wanted to try to use that as an asset now it's not a positive one by any means but it's a lot of money the second most paid highest paid player on this team is cam johnson at 26 it's still high but if you're really trying to trade for a you know a a really highly paid player that ben simmons number at 38 and then 40 million is is nice to have they also have an interesting situation with nick claxton who is i got it wrong on the last show he is not limited because they have had him since they drafted him can extend him up to any number uh, sign him to any number this offseason, but I get confused when teams sign players to smaller contracts afterward. I always convince myself that screws them, but he's an expiring contract. And then Lonnie Walker, mm-hmm. who's like quietly one of the best offensive players in the NBA when he's been healthy this year, scored 20 in that Paris game when he was uh, finally looking like he's returning to form here. But he is on a minimum contract for one year. He could leave. I'm not saying they trade him, but these are all sort of the things that are that are ticking for them. And so I feel like selling is the smarter option. And I would even go so far as to consider Claxton trades, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So what's your favorite one? I mean, I think the layup trade for them is pick Royce, a Royce O'Neal trade or pick a Dorian Finney-Smith trade. Those are guys on the wing that other teams are going to need. Other teams that are higher up in the seat, the higher up in the standings, that want more depth on the wing for a championship or deep playoff push, those are the easiest players to bring in midseason and just have them be themselves and be additive to your team. And if you look at their salaries, yeah. Royce O'Neal's making $9.5 million. That's $3 million under the middle of exception right now. That's like a chump change NBA a contract. Steal. That's a steal for a guy who I don't, you know, is he. 100% like a great, great deep playoff guy based on his defensive ability. I would say there's some concerns about how you're getting to him late in the playoffs, but he's going to be additive. And if he goes through a situation, can absolutely help a team in a big way and is an absolutely lights out shooter at really good volume. DFS, a little bit higher money, but it's barely above the mid level exception. It's still a really good deal for a guy who is 30 years old, right in his prime. You only have to pay him. Um, I'm checking his salary. You only have him for you have him at 13.9 this year, 14.9 next year, and then there's a player option for the last year. So a little bit of money considerations with him more than Royce O'Neal. But these are both guys that I think any contender, any team that has a need on the winger, whether it's a two more of a two three or whether it's more of a three four, should be calling about these guys to be additive to whatever they're doing. 
The thing I like to your point about them being plug and play pretty much anywhere is that O'Neal, as his career has gone on, especially in, and particularly since getting to Brooklyn, has shown a, a playmaking ability. Uh, four assists last year per game, three this year. Just moves the ball and can be sort of a secondary. He, he kind of reminds me of Jay Crowder in that way where he can move the ball and, and make good decisions and be efficient as a, a secondary guy doing that. Whereas Darren, Dorian Finney-Smith is somebody who can thrive almost having no usage at all. Just taking corner threes, you know, he he came up with Luka Doncic, right? Like that's kind of what your role is on a team led by Luka Doncic, unless your name's Kyrie. So I think those both those skill sets both lend themselves well to landing somewhere with half a season to integrate and actually being able to. So I like it. Um, we we're playing matchmaker though. You got to give me a team for at least one of those guys, not trade the player. Well, of course they're on the market, but where do you want him to go? My answer for both of them is a Homer answer, and it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers just like need one of these guys in the worst way possible mm. to just make the roster make sense. I would prefer DFS just because is Royce O'Neal a little bit too much overlap with Matt, what Max Struess is already giving you? Do you need another one of that kind of guy? It's not exactly one-to-one. The one thing about O'Neal, too, is he's low-key smaller than you think. He's only 6'4". Six, 6'4", four. Six, four, yeah. And like that, are you can, you... can you really like squeeze Struess and Mitchell and Garland... Um, by the way, did you? I don't mm-hmm. know. Darius Garland with this broken jaw. I think just so people, I, he's on a liquid diet. Not going to be good for him when he comes. I think physically he's going to look a little bit off when he comes back. If people have seen that, uh, it's a little crazy to have a broken jaw and not be able to like eat food for a month and be an NBA player. Side note: I think DFS to Cleveland, it'd be have to you'd have to cobble together salary. This was easier the pre the Rubio buyout when you had that number to do something with. I get why they ended up with the buyout. I get why another team wouldn't really want to absorb that contract and, and have to figure that out with Rubio themselves. That's not like the mm-hmm. easiest or most fun thing to do. But DFS to Cleveland, if it's like Dean Wade and you stack together another salary or something, to me would make quite a bit of sense. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I am. Um, I'm sorry, there, Chris. I don't think that the Cavs are outbidding anybody for anybody. They don't. They're they're kind of screwed. If I'm being honest, like yeah. if you look at the market for them, they're going to get like the fifth choice like wing option on the market and it's going to be like are we sure this guy is actually better than the guy we just if we traded dean wade or isaac Okor for them are we sure those guys are this guy we just traded for is actually better than the guy we traded that's kind of so i had dorian finney smith to the pacers i like this a lot as something i like more than wiggins for instance who I, i know i have now mentioned the pacers twice but I just think, again, you're talking about a low usage player, somebody who is fine to say, you know, you're going to have a Malik Beasley-ass stat line where you take only threes in a game and you take like 11 of them, you know? And and he'll be cool with that, I think. And he'll provide at 6'7", you know, again, a little bigger and, and taller than Royce O'Neal, some actual, uh, and notably too, bigger than Aaron Neesmith or Bruce Brown, right? For From a Pacers standpoint, some physicality and and wing defense that they really really need for their playoff run and from a Pacers team that obviously has to worry about retaining players and free agency and everything else Dorian Finney-Smith as you said under contract for two more seasons beyond this you could see him really flourishing with Halliburton and maybe you even have him for longer so that was mine to get a little funky though mm. Nicholas Claxton to the Washington Wizards for Tyus Jones it's not one to one. There's some other stuff. So you know, I'm not gonna can waste we, our time with like, the little salaries. But 
Can, can we reroute Tyus to the Wizards or to the not to the Wizards to the to the Magic? Um, sure. If 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 we want, but the Magic kind of low key don't have much to trade, which is why you're hearing the Wendell Carter Jr. could be available stuff from Jake Fisher. But just for this standpoint, I think we should be ready. We should be ready to stop laughing at the Wizards. Would maybe be the best way to put what I'm going for here. I think yeah. that they are a smart, opportunistic front office that just still has a roster from a previous front office that was none of those things. But I think that they did a pretty solid job this offseason from a value standpoint, all things considered. They have a, they had a lot of nothing to get to trade off. They traded off most of it outside of Kuzma and ended up with some nice assets and a pretty barren roster that set them up to tank. So they kind of checked the boxes first. I just think if you're Washington, where you're not going to sign free agents and you don't want to be too bad for too long with, you know, a smallish fan base and a cheap owner. You kind of need to be towing the line to get back to competent quicker as quickly as you can without jeopardizing, you know, the the pathway that you've laid for yourself. So I think Claxon's kind of the perfect guy. Can you get be the team to give him his next contract after a shaky season? You're probably not going to have to overpay. Maybe it's sort of the the portal contract as a as a baseline 20 ish million dollars maybe you go three years instead of four to give yourself some flexibility that's a perfectly reasonable type of guy plus i think that they could trade daniel gafford this deadline because i think teams might want him you've already heard the knicks connected to him so feels like it could accomplish a few things at once and then i like tyus jones um on brooklyn for the rest of the season to you know like we said take a little bit of weight off and he still wants to get paid i don't think the wizards are going to be the team to pay him so maybe he goes somewhere else and finally gets the starter caliber payday maybe it is brooklyn if they uh if they like him yeah like all of this let's move on to our next team do you want to stay east brendan or do you want to should we go geographically or do you want to do you want to hop around where should we how should we do this Let's go right to the next one we have on the dock because I think it's another really good example of what we're talking about in terms of convincing teams they need to be sellers. But I'll let you make the case to the Utah Jazz. All right, the Utah Jazz. A team to me, Brennan, that obviously has had a little bit of a, of a recent positive push. If you just look at the standings, they're in the plane right now, 21 and 20. They are there. No one, I think, thinks of them as a real threat in the West, obviously, but right now they're ahead of a team like the Lakers and they're ahead of the Warriors, who are both currently out of the playing tournament in the Western Conference. For me, this is not a team that need... It's, I don't think they should go as far as selling Larry Markkinen or any of their other guys that are really high. And I don't think they need to do that if they want to maximize their future, lest we forget how many picks they have from Cleveland and how many picks they have from the Wolves via the Mitchell and Gobert trades. They're in a good spot asset-wise already, but you're not in a rush to win this year, and you have guys that I don't think necessarily fit into the long-term structure of your franchise around what you're building here. So why not get something a little more from them and just play the long game still while you still can and, and maybe clear the room to give more minutes for other guys you might like to? To me, that's why they should sell. This isn't a team that needs to end up in the play in this year to be a success and has pressure a la the Rockets or someone like that. They can really play the long game here and keep accumulating assets for other stuff they might want to do down the line. I think that would be the healthier option for them as, as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah, agreed. Although I did tweet, and I will cop to this, watching mm. Jazz. Who did they blow out the other night on national TV? Was it the Nuggets? Um, 
where I said, oh, the Lakers, I think, no, that was last night. Either way, they've been winning a lot of games lately. I had one of them on and I said, maybe they should just be buyers. Maybe they should just buy. Because the other part of this, just to kind of play devil's advocate is, we know that they were in a little bit to some degree on Dame and Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of also doing the Wizards thing I was just saying of understanding their circumstances as a small market team and trying to be ready to pounce when an opportunity to get better does come. But I think where they are right now without that player sort of obviously materializing for this deadline, they just, it seems pretty clear to me that they should explore getting a little worse. And they have Kelly Olynyk and Taylor Horton Tucker's contracts, which are both expiring. And I think it's always better when you are a team needing to kind of make a trade to get better and knowing you're not going to get free agents or, you know, you're not going to draft at the very top of the lottery is to keep biggish salaries on your books as much as you can. And so to let a 12 million and an $11 million contract just expire can kind of bite you in the butt in the future. So if they could turn one of those guys into somebody on a longer term deal, I like it. But my trade is actually neither of those. Okay. Hit me. I don't know how realistic this is. It's probably not the Lakers first choice, but Colin Sexton to the Lakers. I. It'd be... It'd be a real. I bet you it might cost them less than it's. It's obviously going to cost less than Murray. I wonder if it also would cost them less than what it would take to get Rozier. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go for that, uh, kind probably of not. I kind of doubt it because Rozier is older and smaller, and uh, what's his contract situation? He has a few years left, but I don't know if that actually makes him more. Le- He's more expensive, so I don't know, but. I just like the fit from the standpoint of he plays a little more like they play than Rogier. Yes. In terms I'm a of big Sexton guy. forceful downhill, he's bigger. That's kind of what they want more than like a, you know, finesse small guy like Rogier is, but you could probably get him for, you know, I don't know if the jazz want D'Angelo Russell. They could have had D'Angelo Russell last deadline. So maybe not, maybe it's a Rui situation and they do something else with D'Lo. But I just I like the fit. I, again, I don't think it's what the Lakers would be prioritizing. I'm not sure if the Jazz even want to trade Sexton because he is young enough to kind of be in their core. But that's what I came up with. What was yours? Just I'm lasting on Sexton. He's been playing really well of late. Just against Lakers yeah. the other night, he had 27, got the line 10 times. He's had 20 and three, 20 plus and and three straight and four out of his last five. The one that he didn't get 20, he was at 19. The yeah. thing with him to watch will always just be three-point volume. That's kind of the thing you're going to have to coax out of him. But he's been really good, even if he's not playing heavy, heavy minutes for them. Like, even in these last couple games, he's coming in and having, like, 20 points in 20 minutes. So, absolute has kind of settled into kind of a microwave guy after kind of a weird start, obviously, in Utah due to injury post the, the Cavs trade. Mine's Kelly Olenek to the Thunder. This also doesn't really get them back a, a salary. You'd think it's probably just, like, Davis Bertans. Like that's kind of what you end up getting back, right? That that the Thunder chip is kind of staring out there for someone to to do if they want a cash kind of prize to some degree coming out of that. But just get a veteran to the Thunder, another big body, a guy who's been in the playoffs, a guy who I think can play the way they want to play, and just give them another spacer, be a pick and roll, pick and pop guy with Shea. I, I just think a Linux to the Thunder would be additive for the Thunder with where they're at and for what they're about to to go through that's the kind of if you're not going to be big buyers at the at the deadline and i kind of just don't think they're going to be that kind of veteran who's been there who's made playoff runs before who's tough as all hell 
can do what you need a big to do in your system. To me, that that makes sense as a as a good fit for the Thunder and, and for Olenek. All right, what's the next team that is on the cusp, could go either way, that we want to convince to sell? Well, this is a team that is, I think, just bought to some degree, which is kind of interesting because they made a trade on Sunday, and that's the Detroit Pistons, mm-hmm. who have brought in Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari in a deal with the Washington Wizards mm-hmm. that... I was hoping, Brandon, when I texted you about this, I was hoping that you were going to wake up and think there was like a big trade coming and that was not the reaction that I got, unfortunately. I was waiting for you to be like, DeJounte got traded? Well, they didn't buy. I mean, what that trade was was them selling Marvin Bagley's contract and attaching second-round picks to get off of it. That's, I just that's, think it was true. it was pretty solid for them to be able to get playable guys in the salary that they got back that that's kind of the little win that they got in that trade but that deal was we cannot continue to have marvin bagley at 12 million dollars on our roster uh for this season and next and have any chance to like you know spend free agency money this summer or anything else but this is a team that is probably not going to sell you're right about that they are they're, they they already are so embarrassed by how this season has gone, and rightly so, that I just I don't think that they can stomach getting even worse. The point I the case I would make is they're locked into the top slot in the lottery pretty much no matter what. So why not just accept that fate? You want more competitive losses down the stretch, Mister Gores? Is that all you're hoping for? Because that it's that's that's a goofy way to look at this. Just bottom out. It's over fire your front office this summer or whatever you got to do, but trying to salvage this season so you lose by eight every night instead of 20 just feels kind of misguided. Yeah, and, I, and that to that point, I think you just brought in two guys that can fill some of the minutes, not as well or at the high level with the reputation of uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, but I think you should just trade Bojan Bogdanovic for someone, get him to a team that has a real need to maximize what a 34-year-old, almost 35-year-old, Bogdanovich is pick a contender. We got to put some respect on the man's name. It's it's Boyan. Sorry, Boyan. I'm get, I get the the Eastern Europeans is apparently a problem for me. It's all right. Boyan, no, but I'm just saying he's a he's a he's yeah. a he's had a, a, an acclaimed career. We gotta we gotta treat him right here. Boyan. Yes. The the team that came to mind for me, um, and it's not the sexiest move for them, but they have all these weird expirings and young guys that I don't know what they're gonna that don't really have value to them. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's just like use some of these random salaries they have and get them an, an upgrade. Obviously, it eats into the cap space a little bit, which is kind of a concern if you're Del Moore, and that kind of makes me wonder if this kind of deal doesn't totally make sense for them. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a guy that can come in, be a good deadline buy for a contender. Philly needs shooting. Philly needs some bigger wings and some toughness, even if I don't think Bogdanovich is exactly what he was defensively at his apex anymore and he's had the injury concerns and all of that but that's a guy that I think a good team should be buying and the Pistons should just take what they can get for him let the young guys just kind of run loose and then you have Muscala and you have Gallo like you just have the vets around to just eat up innings for you as you as you need to need them to especially in the case of Muscala I gotta admit looking at this roster and kind of asset package more closely for this uh, episode. It is bleak, and especially because... Joe, Joe, Joe Harris? 
who doesn't seem like he is going to probably be in the NBA after this contract. Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, yeah. I think... It's just tough. I mean, obviously, you can look at it from their win-loss standpoint and the losing streak and everything else and realize, well, a lot of the guys they expected to contribute just haven't been able to do that. But then you realize that that also means that they take a hit on the trade market and it kind of hurts even more. So I don't think they have a lot unless they wanted to try to trade Isaiah Stewart or, or, or Ivy, which I would not advise them to do. I thought about Sasser. It wouldn't be the dumbest thing, I think, to maybe trade a little high on Sasser because he's looked so good in the minutes he has played, but I think is always going to be a limited defender at his size. Uh, Maybe you can convince somebody that's like a little juicy and and improve one roster spot with a salary plus Sasser. But I mean, look, I'm saying Marcus Sasser's name a lot. That probably shows you how uh, little they have to buy, even if they wanted to. So. Yeah. The the name I think is Alec Burks is probably the one that just yeah. feels the most logical. This is That's a, that, where this I was going. A, I think this is yeah. to me he should go to Minnesota. Minnesota for Kyle Anderson. Mm. And I think that that can Ooh. actually be sort of a win-win. I like Slomo as a little bit of a stabilizer for Detroit, although his his turnovers have been high and he hasn't been making his threes. That's why the Wolves would maybe be okay trading him, but he could play a little playmaker point guardish role with more size for the Pistons and then um you get Burks to the Wolves where I don't know if he plays a ton maybe it's like a little bit of a improvement over like Shake Milton not quite as much of a ball handler but I could see Burks being a floor spacer and every four games like a microwave scorer option for them then I could see Burks also. He's a Tibbs guy, but I could see him being a Knicks microwave scoring option if they don't get like Knicks fans online have thought about Rogier or Jordan Clarkson. If they just wanted to mm-hmm. go with Burks and fill kind of the IQ spot in the roster, and if they don't want to, for if that's the way they want to go, I wouldn't hate that either. As far as a as a Pistons trade, yeah, I think I don't know. Do Knicks fans really want Burks back? He was there for two years and they got rid of him. So I hope I hope that they can dream a little bigger than that. But uh, I wouldn't hate that. He's he's just a, I just don't know if he's really a playoff player would be the thing for Burks. It's like, is he really going to be on uh, your eighth man in the second round? Probably not at this age. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of got like a vintagey feel to his game as well in a way that is like kind of makes him just like a funky fit. He just feels kind of like his own like class of guys, very unique in kind of his own Alec Burksy sort of way. If you think mm-hmm. about what he is, he's like a Tim Hardaway jr. If he wasn't as good is kind of how I think of him. All right. Hornets. Yeah. The Charlotte Hornets who obviously very bad getting the mellow ball back will make them certainly more watchable, I guess, but a team that obviously just, Brent, I think if you look at them, you think about where they're at, you think about maybe setting the stage for new ownership to be more aggressive in the offseason and just kind of move, try to maybe elevate the team in some way, maybe with a new head coach, maybe with some other changes for a team that's 8-28 and 28 right now. And they have just some some names on the roster I think you could, you could they would be wise to move on from. I, this team just feels like an obvious sell, 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 sell. Rogier obviously kind of has become the most notable guy, and I kind of feel like Hayward feels more like a buyout guy to me, considering his injury history and the number he's at. But I do think there are some names on this roster you could look at as far as... Where did your brain go as far as as, uh, as Hornets trades? 
One thing I'll say about buyouts really quick is um, the buyout market's going to get a little wacky now that second apron teams can't sign exorbitantly paid buyout guys. So like anybody that's in the second apron right now can't cannot sign Gordon Hayward. So it's a little it's like an inadvertent thing that it's punishing those players this new CBA by trying to limit the good teams. It's it's weird. I don't know how it'll play out, but my mind uh obviously we talked about Rogier. I'm sure we will continue to, but if you've watched the Dallas Mavericks, mm. they seem to be out on Siakam. I don't love the Jeremy Grant fit because I think that they should want a little more in the way of at least size and defensive upside. And by size, I don't mean height and length. I more mean physicality and strength because we know that they're kind of a switching team, at least right now. So, or at least a turnover forcing kind of swarming type of team. I don't really love Jeremy Grant's defense in any variety. So I guess I don't need to go that much deeper on that part. Um, PJ Washington to the Dallas Mavericks is my trade. I think I've mocked this one before, and PJ is at about the lowest of low points of his trade value. He just has not had a, a good season. His threes are not going in. He seems to have taken a step back defensively. He's not playing as much. Um, but that, I think, is part of why I like this from Dallas's standpoint. I think that they can go get him, try him, plug him into what they are doing, and get the salary out of it while not having to give up the farm for another star if one if that type of trade isn't there for them. So what I had is P.J. Washington to the Mavs for Rashawn Holmes, Seth Curry, and second-round picks. Not sexy. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but I just kind of wanted to flag it because I think the Mavs probably will do something, and this feels like a nice middle ground for them. Well, and he feels... Washington to me, Brendan, feels like a guy... It's like, A, new scenery, get to get the bump yeah. from a new environment that isn't the Charlotte Hornets in 2024. And on top of that, you also get a situation where you get a Maxi Kleba replacement or upgrade or insurance at the Maybe. very least. Kleba's, Kleba has just been around for so long. It feels like forever, and he, then he just always gets hurt. So just another guy who does some of what Kleba can do feels like a, a good bet to me. If P.J. Washington ever had a season as good as Kleba was at his peak, I think that would be an, an enormous win. He's also smaller, but yeah, that's I true. get you. That's true. I just don't think P.J. Washington is a center. That's that's kind of maybe the no, best way to say that, it. That hasn't quite happened in the way that I think it could have for him, is I think where that's mm-hmm. kind of ended up. So, yeah. um, I my, mine's, Mine is obvious, but it's just scary to carry to get them to Lakers, get them to the Heat for some kind of pick and matching salary. The Knicks fit is also kind of fun. I don't think – I think the Knicks, though, should just keep their stuff dry – for a bigger trade if they wanted. The other name on the list that I thought about for them, for, for a team, Brendan, was Nick Richards at center. Yep. Not, not, an, uh, not an expensive guy. Teams are going to need – he's seven feet. He's got really good size. He's having a, a pretty solid year, all things considered. The trouble for the Hornets, and maybe this doesn't matter because they're bad anyway, but Mark Williams has been out for a month, and they kind of just like need centers. Now you could go find a veteran right now and figure that out. And Nick Richards is making $5 million. So, like, this is a really good bargain for another team if they just want a $5 million competent backup big on the roster. Maybe if he's not going to play a ton for you beyond this year, that's a little more than you'd like to pay for that roster slot. But this is just a good player with good size. I don't hate another team just 
flipping one of their like end of rotation guys and getting Nick Richards and the Hornets can just like play Mark Williams and go get Gorgie Dianga an NBA job for the next couple. He months. retired, but yes, no, oh, well, bring him back. <laughs> he uh, the his contract is basically like the taxpayer mid level at this point. So that's. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams pay more for that for a backup center and, and be vindicated by it. So I, I don't think that should scare anybody away. He's a very solid player. I think of him as like the modern DeAndre Jordan. Like if DeAndre Jordan yeah. had kind of figured out how to prolong his career a little better than he did and maybe make some free throws, um, that's kind of what Nick Richards is. Although I'm checking. Yeah, he shoots 76% from the line. So there you go. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is kind of an ugly team. From a trade standpoint, too, I agree on Gordon Hayward. I just don't see how you could trust that he'll be available even if you traded for him. So why would you give up assets for that? The Hornets, though, just to make your case about Mark Williams' injury and everything else, LaMelo Ball has returned. And Mm -hmm. as much as it is new ownership, and obviously we all think they should sell, this is kind of the perfect team that can convince itself, hey, LaMelo's back. We want to make something of this season. And our assets are kind of at a low point outside of Rozier because... We've been so bad. Let's see what we can do the second half. Let's give it another run type of thing, you know, kind of very stereotypical. Um, I think we can skip our next, the next team on our list, the Hawks, because I don't think we need well, to make the case to the Hawks. Well, all I, I think they're going to sell. They have, they have told the world they are going to sell. Yeah. So I, I guess I would ask you this. DeAndre Hunter is kind of the big name out there. We've, you know, the Lake. Do you, I'll ask you this about him, and then we can kind of we can move on to the next team. Do you like the Spurs idea for him? Do you like the Spurs reportedly kicking the tires on Murray to some degree? We're talking Murray. I think. Yeah. Uh, I like the Spurs getting a point guard. I don't love Murray most places. <laughs> just because of what we've talked about with him yes. in terms of even if you believe that the defense can get back to a point close to what it was when he was a younger guy, he is still a one position defender. The ceiling for that type of player is pretty low. And at the same time, you can make the case that his defense survives or gets back to a higher level, you also would have to convince yourself that his three-point shooting stays at a high level. And I don't know if I'm convinced of that. So the very, very, very best case of DeJounte Murray can be an impactful player in a lot of places, but are the Spurs the place to bring that out of him? I'm not so sure. Um, DeAndre Hunter, the other guy you mentioned, is the one that I actually did have a trade for, if we want to run through that really quick, because I did have a, a pivot. I really sold the Detroit shouldn't buy, they can't buy thing, just to you know really throw this back at you once we got here. DeAndre Hunter to the Pistons. For what? Joe Harris is expiring and Marcus Sasser. The case for Atlanta is you don't have to pay him. Uh, Maybe, maybe some like uh, seconds. You're not getting a first round pick for DeAndre Hunter, I don't think. Um, Yeah, especially from the Pistons who. But I'm just not not trading their own picks. Yeah, I'm not convinced DeAndre Hunter is good, so I would do this if I'm if I'm Atlanta. Yeah, you get off the salary. You kind of at at the very least, if you're trying to reset some things, that's a good thing to do. And yeah, I'm not fully convinced he's a great player either, but he's shooting 40% from deep this year. And at the very least, I think he is a NBA rotation player, maybe. And the Pistons seem to want that. So you're buying low on him. Maybe he gets a little better. All you're giving up really is Sasser. 
kind of a gross trade on both sides, but I think it could happen. I like that. I I am I am for that. I, I think that could make sense several times. The Pistons can talk themselves into getting a player on the upswing and they can have just, at, at that point Atlanta and Detroit will just exchange disappointing wings with Sadiq Bay being in Atlanta and DeAndre Hunter being yeah, in Detroit. Great. Congrats just to everybody swat. involved. Just the the sh- the deck chairs being shuffled on top of respective uh slow-moving ships across the ocean. Let's go to the Chicago Bulls, Brendan. A team that I think more than anyone else, like we keep reading about Levine stuff that they might have traded him yesterday if they could have, and there just doesn't seem to be an adequate deal out there or any deals out there, which is kind of funny. They also just don't seem, based on all the reporting, to be a team that wants to do a full-on, let's just sell everything. Let's just... Mm -hmm. Let, let's let's sell Vooch. Let's sell Anderosen. Let's sell Levine. Levine feels like the one thing they want to trade. I think they have other stuff I would really want to call on. I, I You could pick 10 places, 10, 11 places, 12 places that Alex Caruso yeah. would help. And he's on a really great contract. So I think like some team should just pick, pick a That's team. That's the that one that they need convincing of. Other than that, I kind of think... What we're realizing about Chicago is they might not be able to sell even if they wanted to. I think they obviously clearly are okay with trading Levine. Lonzo is what Lonzo is. Vooch, I don't think they're going to find a deal for. Kobe White, they absolutely should not be selling. DeMar DeRozan, I think they should sell. We've talked a lot about him. I made you the case about Philly last time. So really to me, it's Alex Caruso is the guy that they seem to be a little precious about that I don't think that they should be. And of course, he could fit in a million different places. We've talked about him dating back to last year's trade deadline. But I think the Bulls are in a spot where... I guess how 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 big of a mistake would it be if they didn't trade DeRozan? That's probably like the biggest hinge question here. I think it's a mistake just because I would rather just get any kind of asset for him at his age rather than keep him. And I also just they, there's no reason they should resign him. There's literally zero reason other than you want to continue to be what you are and be on this treadmill of irrelevancy to where you have to have a '90s Bulls night to get emotion out of your fan base for the first time all year. And that emotion was uh, not what they were hoping for, I don't think. So, yeah. And I think from the Caruso side, like to me, I would explore the market. We don't really know what the bids offers would be because they've made it so clear that they wouldn't trade him. Um, I don't know how much teams buy that he's the type of shooter he's been this season or if they expect that teams just still won't guard him in the playoffs and he's going to get a little, you know, trigger shy. And I would understand teams feeling that way. So I don't know what they would get back. But I think that there's something to be said for keeping a guy. If you do feel like you maybe could keep him beyond this current contract and he's non-guaranteed for next season, maybe you'd try to... I think they could extend him right now because he's he signed a three-year deal with them and he's on the second year of it. So maybe they try to do something like that. And having a defensive floor, they're 16th again. They, they started the season shitty on defense, but they're back to being way better than you would ever expect. And that's largely because of him. So I don't hate the idea of, hey, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Dale and Terry, whatever the te- the players are going to draft this upcoming summer are, like this dude 
is here for you and he's going to make you better and we care about that you know I, I i can wrap my mind around it if the if the offers weren't that big but yeah i, I kind of just feel like the bulls are where they should be in a way they've they've given up on levine they probably can't trade vooch and you know from there it's just about DeRozan, caruso what can you get for those guys what do you want to kind of what do you want in return and whatever but it's more of a product of how stuck the roster is than i think they're stubbornness at this point yeah i think that's right i'm not gonna lie brendan i was trying to find a workable uh gordon hayward lonzo ball trade and i'm not really sure why okay that's bleak yeah i i felt like uh oppenheimer when he did the trinity test if i'm being honest that that's what that felt like because it was just everyone's depressed doing this trade if there's one other name on the roster that I felt maybe another team should just give up a second for if they just want another big. It's like, why not just like get Andre Drummond? I, you know, I don't know if Drummond's a playoff guy really, but if you just yeah. want like a big body, like he's making three million dollars for, sure. for the rest of the year, get him. If you, uh, that, if you're a team that gets in on the Nick Richards sweep ticks that we just broke down, uh, maybe you go to Drummond secondarily to that one. I have a Raptors trade I'm excited about. Can we, can we jump to them? Yeah, there we we hit a honestly we hit a slog of teams that aren't that interesting. Let's let's go north. Hit, yeah. me, hit me with your trade. We kind of know they're selling, so let's just dive into trades. Exactly, and I'm not going to talk about Siakam. I mean, uh, we talked oh, about them at the I beginning. Did. Okay, no, I that's did. fine. If you have one that's not like the Warriors or the fucking Kings or something, like I'll hear it. But I don't want to do that again. Um, what mine was was Gary Trent to the Sixers. Okay, so I'm I'm trading Siakam to the Sixers. Okay. I'm fascinated by the Sixers in general. I don't have a clue what they're going to do. I also just think we need to be realistic that, um, like, you had Bogdanovich to them too, right? I kind of don't think that's the type of thing that they would do. I just think getting 5% better with extra salary next year, it's only $2 guaranteed, I looked when you were talking. So it's really like a minimum salary, but minimum salaries don't count toward your cap. That would. So I just, uh, I don't love it. I think... Something to make them better this year, though, at a position of need like Gary Trent, who's expiring, and they could either determine, let, well, let's just keep him. Maybe you hold on him and go over the cap to re-sign him after your other moves. Kind of gives you some flexibility. He can be your gunner off the bench, your Tyrese Maxey when Tyrese Maxey's not in the game. And the trade I have is Marcus Morris, who makes almost exactly the same amount of money as Gary Trent. KJ Martin and second round picks. Mm. And I kind of think that gets it done. Like, I don't really know if Gary Trent wants to stay in Toronto after they didn't extend him. They're not really a winning team. They're kind of headed toward a little bit of a reset. He's a vet. He he can score, and they haven't seemed to value him. So I don't know why he would want to stay. He should want to stay with the Sixers if he goes there. And so to me, it's kind of a win-win for both sides. The Raptors get something for him rather than him walking, and the Sixers get a, a little more offensive punch, which, as I've said a lot of times, I think they need. I like that idea. It's a little less It's a little more less complicated than going the Siakam route, which is the star play. I, I've just kind of, mm-hmm. in watching Siakam, I kind of don't mind him. It's not the perfect, perfect forfeit next to, to him, but you could find ways to... Um, I think make it work, and I think it it just it, there is a nice idea of having a big center like that to, or another big next to your center like that to kind of eat some of the stuff and take some of the pressure off and give you an, a guy who I think would be really fun running with Maxi. The the part of it that 
when you play around the trade machine, Brendan, that I think stuck out to me was that you can, and it's not easy and it's a little wild, you can find trades where you don't have to trade Tobias Harris and you can bring in Siakam and you can just have these two like big three, four kind of forward guys. And I think that would be kind of interesting. It, it's like more, it's Morris, Corkmaz, Covington, and then it's like Jaden Springer to, to, or something just to get over the salary line. It's a four for one trade. It's weird. It means you have to go find random guys on the street to fill out your roster, random guys in the G League to fill out your roster. But it would be a really aggressive buy for Philly. The Trent one feels a little more pragmatic than the new in season Siakam trade for Philly. But I think Toronto should sell, and I think they could sell both guys and come out like better on the other side in this Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, and no quickly era. Okay, so the thing about the Sixers, though, is like they have the most like 2017 ass cap sheet right now. Like, we have not seen a team <laughs> with all these expiring contracts since free agency stopped existing, and they seem yeah. to just be really wanting to like uh, go back to the future or whatever the thing would be to say there that I just botched. I think the thing to watch is do they feel like they actually do have to act now because the summer might not. Because they're not going to sign anybody that's a difference maker, unless it just is Siakam anyway. Um, and so while they could have some more trade flexibility in the summer, if they didn't go the free agency route, that can still be valuable to be able to take in more money than you're sending out and all the extra lack of limitations you have as a trade team then. But somebody has to be available. And unless they have a read on who that's going to be, then that's kind of theoretical too. So if they feel like there's an opportunity now to go do a trade that can be a part of their future, I think that we should also be ready for them to maybe go a little more aggressive than we feel like. So it's kind of like everything is on the table. It's a very strange situation to be in. I... I'm fine with this Siakam fit, I think, more than most, even though Siakam is maybe not the shooter we would all love to put next to Joel Embiid, who spends a lot of the time, a lot of his time ISOing, facing up, posting up. But I think the thing we always forget about great players who can score in those spots, and I watch it every day with Kevin Durant, is those types of players allow you more roster flexibility than you would think because mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter where the hell Pascal Siakam is standing or how much he's being guarded when Joel Embiid can draw 15 fouls in a game and make, you know, six out of eight, uh, you know, mid-range pull-up jumpers. Siakam can be clogging the paint if there's no need for the paint to be open. You know what I mean? So I think it can work, but uh, it's not perfect it might be all they have so I'm, I'm fine with it um and i think either one of these trades would make them definitely better this season for sure philly is by far the number one candidate for a trade we didn't see coming happening at the deadline right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no question it's daryl Morey. it's the picks it's the expiring it's the 2017 s cap sheet as you i think perfectly put it there's something weird that's going to happen there. Just feel it. It's, it's the silly. Lakers where where we would have started to hear the they're putting together plans for a meeting with Lamarcus Aldridge. You know what I mean? It feels feels like what we just are are thought we were done with in the NBA. Um, I think we can skip the Grizzlies, Chris, because we talked about them last time and. They have to be selling to some degree. Luke Kennard, Marcus Smart, although he's hurt now. Yeah, I don't think they need to be convinced. Yeah, John Conchar just sent him somewhere. Sure. If anyone wants your uh, potential, like, getting two weeks out of Brandon Clark, then great. You know, send that out too. But 
Uh, yeah, I think we can skip them. Let's go to Portland then, because Portland is, you may think Jeremy Grant's all they have to sell. What are they really selling for? They already kind of sold when they did Dame. I think the idea is keep adding assets, keep adding flexibility to your team so you can build around Scoot, who's had some really good moments of like, keep building around Anthony Simons, keep building around Chidden Sharp, who Anthony Simons is talking you know, absolutely loving, lovingly about lately, uh, including on the, on the old man in the three pod. That's a team that just should still be thinking as much about the future as possible. My And my trade is a team that should be a little more in the now, but also should be thinking about its very large Frenchman in the center. And that's, I want to get Malcolm Brogdon to the San Antonio Spurs. That's my trade here. I love this one. I, this was the, my favorite one of what you put in the dock, and I'm glad we got to it because people want Brogdon to a contender, and I get that, but I'm not sure he, he probably what that is. That. Sure. But what if the deal was, hey, Malcolm, you may want to win. We get that. You do have money for next year. But, like, we'll pay you after that. Stay healthy. Commit to us. Be a good presence in the locker room like you've been in Portland. And, like, we'll take care of you. You know what I mean? It's a little early to be like promising that or signing any sort of, you know, under the table deal about it, but I'm not sure if contenders are going to give him the contract he wants. So if he can be part of building a, with a generational blue chip prospect and have a little more confidence that he has some more money coming his way in his mid thirties, I could see it being a win-win and I think he would go a long way to just helping them out. He feels a little spursy too, where he's not a really, really ball dominant point guard. He feels so Spursy. He feels like someone who I think would be a real extension of Pop in a lot of ways. That just feels kind of how I understand Brogdon. Send them some, send some seconds back to Portland. Matching salary. Jetty Osmond, you are a Portland Trailblazer, whatever it is. Malcolm Brogdon, you be a Spur. You give them a point guard. You give them a real vet. And I, Brendan, also just the way he talks about stuff, I just think Victor Wembanyama also seems like a young star who would really embrace having an OG vet like Brogdon on his roster. Like I, It kind of just seems like Vic would really like having this kind of guy around him to some degree. I mean, I think that he would be ready to have anybody who would help him win at this point. And they have the match. Yeah, it could be Jetty. They have Devontae Graham's salary, and he's not playing. That's, um, that's Doug probably McDermott, the um, who is playing. But, yeah, we'll see. I think that they could get it done a lot of different ways, and I think it would make them better. And I honestly kind of like the fact that he has next year under contract because they don't have to worry about him Same. just bailing on the whole thing, you know? So I didn't have a... Blazers trade that wasn't more Jeremy Grant stuff, which we've talked about plenty. And I also sort of feel like the more I look at Jeremy Grant, the case I was making on our trade guys episode was might only really apply to the Dallas Mavericks. And I already did a Dallas Mavericks trade for PJ Washington. So I didn't, uh, didn't want to double dip there, but obviously if they can find a Jeremy Grant trade, they should do that too. 100%. All right, let's end with the Houston Rockets, a team who did mm-hmm. all this buying in the summer. And it isn't going to be a big seller, Brendan, but they just have some guys who don't play a lot for them that I think could just be a better use elsewhere. If they could get a second or two, that just seems to make sense to me. Even if this is a team that right now is in the play-in, is a team that I think would like to be in the play-in and kind of validate all the money they spent. They're going to, yeah. they're, you know, they're a game ahead of the Lakers right now. They're a game and a half ahead of the Warriors. They are 
a, a half a game behind the Jazz and in a game behind the the eighth seeded Phoenix Suns. So they're in the thick of it. Certainly some work to do. But guys on the edge of the roster, if you look at their vets, that I think they could move on elsewhere and really not have their team demonstrably change as far as trying to compete this year. Yeah, I have to eat crow a little bit and give it up to Ime Odoka and the Houston Rockets. They somewhat threw injuries forcing their hand. They're playing Cam Whitmore and Jalen Green off or and uh, Amen Thompson off the bench. They are it feels it, Jabari Smith's back. Jalen Green's been playing. Those guys maybe you know you might want them to be more involved in the offense, but that sort of is what it is. I think this is what their team should look like the rest of the of the way. I think those two guys should be your sixth and seventh men. See what you have in them. Whitmore has been scoring the hell out of the ball as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Like that means something to me. If you're efficiently getting buckets as a raw athletic rookie who dropped in the draft, I, I'm feeling pretty good about your NBA future. You know, I don't know what it's going to exactly be as a smaller guy, but ride that. And so I, I agree completely. And and the trade that I had was a little selfishly. The Phoenix Suns, and this is really deep. I'm glad we're doing it at the uh, 70-minute mark. The Phoenix Suns have a trade exception that is identical to the size of Jay Sean Tate's contract, almost to the point where it's like, did you plan that? You know what I mean? And uh, it is from the campaign trade to the Spurs. Absorb it. Throw some two, three, whatever, second-round picks to the Rockets. Take Jay Sean Tate who is behind those two rookies in the rotation, as I mentioned. I think he is exactly the type of guy that, you know, is he is he going to be on the floor for you in the conference finals? We'll see. But way better on a good team, a great team, than on the Rockets. And Rockets fans don't like him. And I think a lot of those guys actually get underappreciated on bad teams because what yeah. they can really do to make you better is so limited. So he feels destined to go be on a good team. He's a little undersized, whatever. The Suns can't really afford to be picky. So give me Jay Sean Tate as like the seventh, eighth man on Phoenix who you just sick on some wing in a playoff series alongside Josh Okogie, maybe even above Josh Okogie in the rotation because he's a little more playable offensively. And he seems like the kind of guy where after game two of the first round, we're like, damn, that trade really made a difference. I like that one a lot. The other name I would look at here is Reggie Bullock. We kind of know exactly what Reggie Bullock is. He is a 32-year-old shooter. Not the mm-hmm. not a exactly impactful defender at this stage of his career. Solid, competitive, all that stuff. But he's kind of, to me, a lower version of like the Royce O'Neal thing we were talking about way at the beginning of, of this segment where you get someone who come in and can shoot, gives you wing depth. Pick a team that needs just another wing body who can shoot as an option. He could fit there and he doesn't play a ton for the for the Rockets. Like you like he hasn't played since New Year's Day. Like you they can do without him and give more minutes to Cam Whitmore. Mm-hmm. Just play the young guys. Like pretty easy for them just to move on from Bullock. They won't miss him. Yeah. The, the, you could make a case for like a Jeff Green trade as well, but I kinda also would suspect that they don't want to trade all the vets. Because Ime Udoko probably wants to keep some of them around, and Jeff Green would be the one I think I would want to prioritize keeping, if I'm being honest. Yeah, our guy Jeff, uh, our guy Jeff Green. No, we don't know. Yeah, you know what? Our guy. He, no, you know what? Our guy Jeff Green. He's everybody's We're claiming guy. Jeff Green. We're claiming Jeff Green. Yeah. 
He's uh he has the corner on the NBA equivalent of the unk nickname that Shannon Sharp has in the NFL. He is uh, Uncle Jeff Green and he's been everywhere. But no, our guy Wes Goldberg wrote a great piece for Real GM when the Rockets were in Houston uh, in Miami and talked to Ime Odoka and Fred Van Vliet and Jeff Green and Aaron Holiday all about what those vets have meant to that team. And so I agree with you. I I don't think that Ime I think values those guys too much to just get rid of all of them. Jeff Green is also playing more than any of the others. Jock Landale has not been playable for them, so they've kind of had to do this small ball thing off the bench with with Green at the five. So, yeah, I, I doubt he's available. But um, Aaron Holiday could be. He's, he's below Whitmore and Thompson now in the rotation, too, and I think he's proven since leaving Phoenix when he was on Atlanta and then now on Houston that I think he could play some minutes for somebody that's really desperate, uh, kind of a playoff team type type situation. But uh, I think we were right to leave Houston for the end. That's uh, There's not a lot of meat on that bone. So there we go. Minute 70, some Rockets talk. Look, the only thing I, I think we can, I can say, Brendan, after this exercise is I am, until something, the dam breaks open, I'm not, it, it just feels like we're going to get some really like on the margins kind of, January European soccer window ass feeling trades where it's just like moving deck chairs around. We're not getting Kyrie and KD to uh, Western Conference contending teams. Probably would be my guess. Yeah. No, I not like, that Royce level. O'Neal, no Donovan no, trade. Like, no, uh, no Lowry yeah. Markinen. Yeah. Like a Terry Rozier trade could be one of the bigger trades, and that's like team of that's like a Timo Werner loan deal. You know, it's just like kind of there. Yeah, but we're. Both, and I think anyone who's found our show is uh, a sicko enough that they will be sitting down, planting themselves to watch Terry Rozier's first game in a Miami Heat uniform. So, you know, uh, it's still going to be more active than some of those, to repeat the phrase, 2017-ass trade deadlines were when everybody was waiting for July. We're going to get a lot of trades, I think. But yeah, it might not be a Hall of Famer changing teams, you know? Uh, Jeff Green, you know, maybe maybe Hall of Famer if he gets traded. We haven't got the Jeff Green like random body caught this year. We're, I'm waiting on it, Jeff. I need the Jeff Green like dunk of the year. Can we get one a year? Waiting. Mm-hmm. One a season, mm-hmm. rather. We need it. Not, not exactly one a year. We need. I could use him just like trying to dunk on Wemby is kind of what I want. I like it. Just to see. Let's challenge. Let's challenge physics as a. People think that Jaw got hurt dunking on Wemby. So yeah, I don't know if that's the move. I just want to see someone who, like, if LeBron's not going to do it, I want to see someone in that older age range representing the old heads trying to dunk on the young phenom who, like, can't legally drink alcohol but has the the, the body of someone who could block any shot coming his way. Wemby or Chet, just pick one of those two aliens, and I want to see Jeff Green try to dunk on him. That's kind of what, that's what I want. There you go. Our friend Jeff Green. Our good friend. Jeff Green. We're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Please subscribe, rate, review if you have not already. We'll be back later this week. We're going to talk about the respective seasons of Nicole Jokic, who did just throw maybe my favorite pass the entire season with the behind-the-head the dump-off pass against the Pelicans the other night, and Joel Embiid, perhaps the two best players in the NBA. They square off this week. We're going to talk about their seasons and where those teams are at later this week, and we're going to do our weekly Waving the Flag segment and getting into the Kings and the Magic be back again with more jazz basketball then enjoy the hoops enjoy the trade machine we'll talk to you soon